I feel like this one will have something to say, but not a whole lot. What do you mean? Uh, like the the terror tide, well, uh, terror tide town is uh, the only thing. That you sounds really like a real tongue is... twister, David. A real tongue twister. What David's trying to say is the terror of tiny town. There you go. Yes. Crack open a cold box of wine or pour something cold on ice because it's the Binge Watchers Podcast. Just, uh... Yeah, we're always doing it. Somebody light a cigarette somewhere and put on some some French jazz, not American jazz. Let's let's put on some French jazz in the background. Listen to this podcast in your tub. Yeah. Oh yeah. Why not? You know, yeah. light some candles. You know, I mean, for all we know, stocking stuffer means something completely different to somebody else. You know? Yeah. yeah. Could be. Yeah, so this is another one in the set of the cult movies I got. One number two of twenty because we already watched mm. Umo or Omo Umu Umu. Fuck the Shark God. Mm-hmm. Uh, so now we're watching. We watched the Terror of Tiny Town, which is an all. Uh, I don't think is midget PC anymore. Are we saying little so person? No, that's what's funny about the credits that roll in this movie. <laughs> it tells you, and now starring a cast of midgets. Um, it, yeah, it says Joel right Bueller's midget midgets. Um, All star music yeah. cast. So basically, no, it's a bunch of little people. And uh, but when this movie came out, they just called each other midgets, and and other people referred to them as midgets, which is, uh, I don't know, um, not acceptable. Yeah, now it's a little. I mean, you know, we're only referring, we're only saying midget because like it's up front and center on the title, just to explain that. But you, you see know. that you see that word about six times within the span of like a minute. <laughs> like it's it's all over the credits. Um, yeah, even more if you see the extended version by like two minutes with an introduction. Depending on which version you watch on YouTube or Amazon, there's like different ones floating around with an extra yeah. added two minutes at the beginning of introducing. The well, look cast. at that. Um, there's still specialty casting, folks. Like basically, there's a ton of casting agencies that are for specific things. That's kind of their their bread and butter, their racket, if you will. Like, even, like, what's the, like, um, Pitbulls and Parolees or Pitbulls and Little People or something? Like, there was a guy. that That's what it was. Oh, it was, like, yeah. his agency, and he also took care of dogs, but they were actors. But that's what he, they would get. They would go out on, like, the shoots, you know, to do what whatever they could do or whatever. But it's it's huh. intentionally dwarf casting or, or what have you. Um, you just lost yeah, the, three, so. the three little people that listen to the show. You just lost them. <laughs> I'm sorry, guys. Come back. Yeah. Little people, little people. <laughs> no, I don't currently call them that. Uh, yeah, this is like a very – this is another one that's like only an hour long. Um, but I tried I'm, – I'm, I tried watching this twice. I mean I did watch it twice. Like I – for being an hour long, it is uh, boring. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know what your reaction to watching it was, but um, I had to watch it twice because I, I kept I really paid dozing it, off. Yeah, I really paid intense attention 
for like the first 15 20 minutes and then like I I was speeding it up just to just for the sake of having said I watched the movie in order to podcast about it like just it is very it boring kind of, yeah it's... if I could have 2x or 3x the playback I would have done that but I was definitely just skipping around although I couldn't find the part where I was reading the cast list and it said one of the little people was going to be playing the part of the vampire and I was like when does a fucking vampire come into this <laughs> fucking movie <laughs> like I'm still that might, have, that might have caught my attention. <laughs> it's still not clear to me because there was a there was a singer in a bar. There was the main character who looks like a Roy Rogers type, you know, who is like yeah. clearly the good guy because he's wearing a white shirt. White hat. And then there's yeah, like this is very much a white hat, black hat. Yeah, uh, exactly. White Western. spy versus black spy or whatever. Um, and then like in the, yeah, Bad Burt or whatever had like a black hat, and then. You know, the two families pitted against each other is kind of like the old Western motif of what is the McCall's, right? Is that one of them? They I, as, again, I watched this movie twice and I can't tell you much about it. No, no, I'm talking about very... in real life. There was like the two families that were oh, feuding. Oh, the Hatfields and, and the McCoys. Yeah, the Hatfields and the McCoys. There we go. So like that's these two families, like Preston's and whatever the other one was called. Um, same thing. It's like these... This this little bandit tried to put these two families against each other so it could steal cattle from both of them and have kind of like um, just chaos in the town. And the sheriff was under his arm for a little while, but then the sheriff at one point said, "Hey, we can't do this." And then the guy shot the sheriff. And um, and the the most badass person in this movie actually is like only in the beginning when they're singing outside the blacksmith shop. Is like, did you see that really ripped little dude? Like he looked like uh -huh. he could. You didn't see him. He's the blacksmith. He's got, like, a full well, beard. I mean, I wasn't and he's looking like, at his abs or anything, but... Uh, well, it's kind of obvious, so like, because that's the only thing that they're showing you in the beginning is, like, they're putting horses, you know, they're fitting shoes on a horse. Like, his assistant, whatever, is trying to use, like, a full-sized hammer. And I did read some press on this. I guess, like, the producers and the directors were trying to think of all these jokes that can include little people, which is, I guess, if they thought it was funny themselves, I don't know if that was a thing. Like, there was, like, size jokes... Um, like the little person walks under the doorway to the saloon at one point, mm. but in the beginning, <laughs> like the hammer was huge. I was like, so why wouldn't he just cut the handle down and like use a smaller handle? Do you know what I mean? But yeah, whatever. Um, then there's like a niece that shows up for one of the families. And of course she's going to fall in love with the, the main character who's from the other family. So you got that whole thing. Uh, none of them can ride horses. At all, no. Like they didn't. They're all, these they're are, all like Shetland ponies too. Yeah, they have. They, That's so the they, other thing is they're on small horses. Yeah, so they're riding around, but none of them can ride. Like it's clear because the animals move in like these disarrayed patterns. So clearly, like either the ponies weren't trained for riders, or the riders weren't trained to ride the ponies. Because, like at one point, like the, I saw the actor change the way he was waving his hand because the animal moved in a different direction, and all the animals moved. But it wasn't, it wasn't staged. Like it looked like an accident. You know, uh -huh. you know what I mean. Um, and there's one like uh, mistake where the main character draws his gun and he's trying to shoot the bandits off when they're trying to like um, brand his the stolen cattle from his his dad's ranch. Mm. The gun is sideways in his, in his hand and his hand's not on the trigger, but it's still firing. Like it's really weird. Like he didn't know how to draw the gun, so I feel like yeah. okay, this is great because like at the time. They probably wouldn't, little people probably weren't getting cast in a lot of movies. And it was kind of like, 
um, Feast or Famine, probably. Like, here's a movie for you guys to do. Like, Wizard of Oz comes out later, and, like, half the little people in this movie are become munchkins in the Wizard of Oz, including the main yeah. character. But they have the opportunity to do all this stuff, but you assume that they're still trained actors, but it looked like a lot of them had, like, no acting training. Like, they... they their delivery's flat, they don't have range, they, like, don't don't have the skills that the characters are portraying, like, the roping, shooting, horse riding. Yeah. The fist fight is kind of cool. It looked like a real, it looked like they were really just punching each other out, and maybe they were, I don't know, because, again, what are stunts at that time? They're probably really punching each other. But it's basically, like, an ordinary Western story from the 30s, 40s, just this extraordinary thing of like what would be like a circus act but on film like oh come see the little right. people's western kind of thing like a yeah. spectacular like exploitation movie or something right yeah pretty much i mean you know you kind of hit the hit a point what i was which i was going to mention was yeah they're they're pretty terrible actors i mean sorry sorry to talk bad about little people but they they were not great actors no i mean it's, uh, and the they're story. not and they're not bad actors because they're little people let's get that straight they're not bad actors because they're bad they're actors. Because they're, they're, bad just, actors. they're bad, bad actors, yeah, because the these were schlocky, terrible producers and directors and not, from not a great film company. They were just cranking out a bunch of cheap movies at the time. So no one really gave consideration thing. Did you notice for, who distributed this movie, though? Oh, Columbia, right? That? Yeah, so like yeah. this was put out by a reputable company. Like that's the funny thing is like I, I was kind of shocked when I saw that because I thought this was like what they used to call Poverty Row Studios. And now this was put up by Columbia, of all people. So I was yeah. kind of surprised by that. Yeah, I don't know. Interpersonal relationships with these filmmakers in the 30s, 40s, 50s, whatever. You know, making their deals yeah. at the bar stools. Um, no, it's, some of the filmmakers are connected. I, I was reading that. They they had, like, a connection. They, the, these Western filmmakers had a connection to somebody at Columbia, and uh, Columbia picked it up. But, yeah, you're right. Otherwise, it would have just been, like, run-of-the-mill, you know? And released yeah. with one of these other tiny companies or something, yeah. No pun intended. <laughs> yeah. The terror of tiny filmmaking. Uh, you definitely couldn't make this movie today. Oh, no. Not with an exclusive I mean, they, cast. I mean, it would be cool. I mean, a little person can do whatever they want. Like, anytime they want. They're just people. But, um... And, they sh and I guess the theory is, like, if you look at an actor, like, um... What's his name? Who took like the uh, lead in uh, Game of Thrones, and he's one of the best actors on the show. Peter Dinklage. Uh, uh, Peter Dinklage. Peter Dinklage. You yeah. can just cast Peter Dinklage in anything because he's just a really great guy, and he works really hard at his craft. Or well, you can go the other way, like actor, yeah, yeah, yeah. Or you go the other way and be like, well, it's Peter. Technically, it's a dwarf, but you know, do you want to do this? You have a chance to say this, and you have a chance to say that, and maybe people will perceive it as that. You know. Yeah. But, not this movie. <laughs> you know what I mean? No. Like, um, if anything, what you could do is you could do, like, a making of this movie. Like, you could make a drama about the people involved in making this movie. Or the cast. Yeah. You know, I could see that. Yeah, I was thinking that. That would be interesting to see. Yeah. Something like that. Yeah, like, real actors portraying these guys, the process of this, and, like, what they're going through. There was also a really great documentary about uh, little people actors who had formed, like, their own union, and then they formed, like, their own sports teams. Did you see that? Uh-uh. Um, uh the name of that one? Yeah, it's pretty cool. It has, like, some of the actors from Willow. 
like Burgle Cut. You remember in Willow, like the main hunter from the village who was like super famous and the, considered the strongest warrior from Willow's village? It's called Burgle Cut. Vaguely. Anyway, the actor that played him is in, in here. And you'd recognize some of these faces because uh, some of the actors from like the Troll movie and some other stuff are in yeah. this thing. Um, huh. And like the main Munchkin from the movies, like uh, whatever his name is, who was actually in Willow 2 is the wizard guy. He's in this this sports documentary too. Hmm. Yeah, they set up a team kind of like Harlem Globetrotters and they did all these events and stuff. Well, I can't think of what it's called, though. But anyway, I mean, Google it. Google will tell you. <laughs> you know? I'm sure it will. Yeah. <laughs> um. Yeah. We're gonna run out of minutes to talk about this thing. Uh, no, well, no, we're not gonna run out of minutes. I mean, we're literally gonna have, like, dead air... Because I don't know how long I can talk about this movie. It's it's, um, a, it's a non-movie. I mean, I, I know I suggested it because, you know, part of the series Stocking Stuffer, this was given to me as part yeah. of a pack. And it's it's a curiosity. I mean, you know, and but it, is it a good movie? No. It's, it's you know, it's it, it lives and dies by its gimmick. And the gimmick wears fast, wears pretty fast. There's probably um, one or two film history students that maybe watches this movie a year. I I wouldn't think there's too many people that come across this one or even sit down to watch it. And like you said, it's on a disc filled with 20 other movies or whatever. You know what I mean? So it's like that's the thing. Yeah. It's not even it's not just in the bargain bin. It's on a bargain DVD itself. You know you know what I, you know what I mean? Yeah. It's like loaded up with all these other films. You know. So. Um, uh, yeah. So what else is Dave watching? Um, I've actually been watching a lot of good stuff this week. Oh yeah. Um. I think I told you I watched one the other day called Greener Grass, which is on demand. Oh, uh, yeah. It, Dave wants me to watch this really tripped out David Lynch style movie. It's, well, I mean, you know, proceed with caution. I don't know if I was per se suggesting it other than I just was, I, I liked it. It's oh. it's really different. But, you know, I don't know if it's your style or not. Maybe it is, maybe it's not. But it is. It is a movie that plays by its own rules and lives in its own world, and you just kind of have to accept that. Mm. Every adult in the movie has braces without explanation. <laughs> so somebody's kid dives into a pool and comes out a dog, and they just accept that it's his son now, their son now. It's yeah, it looks pretty twisted. It's so weird, and it looks like yeah, like a David Lynch. Uh, it's one of those movies that you kind of compare it to other things. So like for me, it feels like. David Lynch and Todd Salons got together to remake John Waters' Polyester. Yeah, yeah. I was going to say, like, Todd Salons is this weird filmmaker, and all his stuff is weird, and he always writes this, like, hyper-suburban psychotic stuff, and that kind of feels like that. Yeah, it feels like, looks like Leave it to Beaver, but really it's, like, the darkest shit you've ever seen. Mm, Yeah. Um, (laughs) Um, And then I watched another one the other night called In Fabric, which is really good. Uh, It's a horror movie about a haunted dress and it doesn't it pro proposes a lot of questions but doesn't give you a whole lot of answers so like for me i think it's a coven of witches <laughs> wow that's kind of cool actually um it's 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 emulated to look like a 70s giallo movie um it, like down to the score and the colors um and it takes place in the 70s like britain or mm. england which is kind of smart because it goes for a style that took place in that time and it doesn't uh you know, I've never um, thought of anybody that did like a haunted dress movie. That's kind of interesting. It, 
uh, go watch the trailer at least. Um, but I rented it, rented it on Amazon the other day, and it is, uh, it's very stylistic. It's very, it's a haunted dress movie. I don't know what else to say. Like you have to, you have to watch it, or at least watch the trailer. Do yourself a favor and go watch the trailer in fabric on Amazon because <laughs> it's worth watch. Um, I've, I've been watching a lot of Workaholics for some reason. I'm watching season three right now. Um, That's a show I haven't made all the way through. I, I do I do catch up with it here and then. The Lord's Forest episode show. is great. It has Tim from Tim and Eric's show on there. Um, yeah, it's pretty interesting. Um, you know, it's three twenty-somethings at work at a telemarketing firm and their adventures. Um, but what's funny is like I'm watching it and like I don't like either one of them separately. Like everybody usually has a favorite. I think Anders mm-hmm. is probably my favorite. He's the most like me, probably. Um, but I but I look more like Anim de Mamp, but I have the attitude of more like of Anders, I think. Um, anyway, just reevaluating that. Just watched a couple episodes of that, and then David David knows when I'm watching The Mandalorian. He sends me texts <laughs> like uh, Dave um, is not loaning me his password to Disney Plus, not in, at all, in one way, shape, or form. But I'm watching Disney Plus. And Dave was like, you know, hey, did you already see The Mandalorian? <laughs> what, what? Like, you know, like, uh, yeah. Everybody's talking about it, but this latest episode, which we just watched, which would be... The Bill the Burr episode. That's Prisoner. Like, yeah. Yes, Bill uh, Burr was... Otherwise, uh, otherwise literally known as the Bill Burr episode. All You know, that's what it should be referred to as. Um, that's yeah. the one thing I really appreciate about The Mandalorian is that it... Um, it, it casts a lot of comedians in small roles and gives them meaty parts. Um, like a week or so ago, they had Amy Sedaris in a pretty like prominent role. It's kind of a weird um, casting situation. Yeah, I dig it. I like I like them taking chances on some of the. I mean, they cast Werner Herzog as one of the main you know main guys in it. Well, the chick with the tentacles on her head. I I don't remember what these aliens are called, like thralls or something, or something like that. Mm. Whatever. But um, I think she's an actress from one of the Harry Potter movies, and she's also in Game of Thrones briefly. Um, but she's also supposed to be like the Mandalorian squeeze from back in the day. And then you got um, mm. Clarence Brown, I think, was playing the guy that looks like a demon, the alien that was like big and red, and he's supposed to be the muscle of their little criminal crew. Yeah, um, I didn't catch that until I saw the credits. I'm like, yeah. Clancy Brown, and then mm-hmm. I thought back, like, oh, it was that guy. Yeah, exactly. And, uh, I mean... Listen, like the thing that the thing that's really starting to bother me is like the Yoda baby thing is still. We don't know how smart it is, what it knows and what it doesn't know, and when it's interacting with the droid and evading the droid in the ship, it makes me think that it's it's quite intelligent already, even for a child. But then other times it just acts like a baby. So I'm like, but here's the thing: the Mandalorian is like constantly in violent situations. And like and like his only goal is to keep this Yoda baby or baby Yoda safe, but he keeps mm. flying into increasingly dangerous situations. <laughs> Do you know what I, you know what I mean? And then like and then he yeah. leaves the baby in the ship, like at the most random times. And I'm like, how long is he like he can just think he can just leave the little baby? Well, <laughs> you know what I mean. But I guess it's like oh, an, yeah. an alien baby. But uh, what I'm actually thinking about is like the. Suspension of disbelief, like these are things they don't want to answer, because it might be boring screen time, and it would just eat up a lot of screen time to be like, okay, yeah, he's got to have a babysitter every time he goes to a space station, 
Yeah. Or he's got to take the kid with him. And then the conceit, like I'm saying, like everything is violent and dangerous, and so the, there's no way. Okay, in reality, if we're floating around space, and you got you're dragging this kid around through all these action set pieces. Yeah, the kid's gonna get probably killed. You know what I mean? I mean? Like this doesn't go yeah. this long. Also, the Mandalorian probably would get a lot more hurt. But I think like every time he leaves the ship, I think he assumes he's gonna die every time he leaves the ship. I think he's gonna. I think he makes the. You know, peace with whatever god, the god of metal or the god of assassins or whatever, you know what I mean? Like, the way, as they call it. Like, I think he makes peace with himself every time he leaves his ship. Yeah. You know? Like, okay, this is it. <laughs> Man. Um, the tracking device that he uses is kind of cool. Um, again, it's like retro technology. Like, the whole thing is retro. So it looks like old Star Wars, which is kind of really funny. Like, well, nothing's that high like tech. Five years. Yeah. Well, it takes what? place five years after Return of the Jedi. Yeah, it was a so weird time. Yeah. Because basically... So maybe... What? I said, oh, I don't know. Well, maybe one day we'll see uh, Ewoks in it or something. I don't know. Damn, an Ewok. Bringing back an Ewok would be cool. Um, there's concept art in, like, I think in one of the video games, there's an Ewok Jedi. Is and it really? It, yeah. So if they ever had an Ewok Jedi, like that would just be mind blowing. But um, also, you got to find out where's this little orphan baby's parents. But I noticed that, like, I love his like prejudice. I love the Mandalorian's prejudice against androids because they killed his mm. parents, and his sympathy for for orphans is clear. But like, what's funny about Star Wars is they follow, you know, the Chris Vogler, David Campbell like story of myth or whatever, like the, the hero's journey. Like you could take that book and you could apply it to. Like, every Star Wars ever, you know? And right. mostly all the Disney stuff, too. They follow the same path, but... Um, oh, yeah. Lion King, any of that. Yeah. Um, where's the Mandalorian going to end up? I don't know. Hopefully there'll be, like, a bigger budget for Season 2 and they'll expand the story because it's a pretty tight story. Like, well, I was, it was like a Variety article or some article online was talking about how formulaic the story is and, like, it's like a police procedure role and they pretty much okay here's a famous guest star and he gets into danger and then gets yeah. out of it like um i don't know if you came across that but that's basically what they were saying i haven't i haven't come across that but it feels very much like a a video game tv show in in so much as like he keeps having side sc or um side missions oh yeah you know, like, like the there's main, no the main, main goal mission, is to keep yeah, yeah. Well, like, the main goal, every episode, it's very episodic. Like, you know, the main thing is he's got to keep Baby Yoda safe. Yeah. But he keeps going on missions and shit. So it's it's very, that has nothing to do with the grand scheme of things, other than you might get a little, you know, what was in the second episode, he was on a side mission to go collect an egg from uh, yes. a big beast. Yes. And then but, we find out Baby Yoda has powers. Yeah. You know? And there's very little moving the main story forward, but then, like, Danger of the Week episodes are happening consistently. Basically. And you know what? I'm I'm not I'm kind of on board for that. Like yeah. I, I, I it doesn't bother it doesn't bother me that it's really tight storytelling. Um, yeah, it doesn't move the main plot along too much, but like it's never boring. <laughs> um, I think, anyways. Then uh, I went I'm back really and impressed. watched. Uh, this could have been a train wreck. Oh yeah, could have been a train wreck. Speaking of train wrecks, Jason Bateman's character in this movie with uh, oh, is it Olivia Wilde? Yeah, maybe that's her name. Um, did you ever see this movie called The Longest Week? Mm-mm. Oh, you should look that up. It's on Prime right now, The Longest Week. You should watch that. It's definitely up your alley. Yeah. It's almost like a Wes Anderson-type movie. 
um, but a little more subtle. Like, he doesn't really have big, like, grandiose moments. Um, but it's bourgeoisie, man. It's definitely, like, a certain type of lifestyle, but then certain kind of characters that have, um, they have to create their own problems, or they, they it's a cycle of creating their own problems. But it's pretty interesting. Hmm. Um, Jason Bateman plays, like, uh, an affluent, like, New York, like, adult man, like a, like a man-child, whose parents are very successful and very wealthy, and he's just, like, a, like, ne'er-do-well. And then, it's almost like, uh, Arthur, the story of Arthur, you know that movie? Uh, um, oh, with, um, Dudley Moore? Yeah, like, you're suddenly cut off from your, like, your, I don't know, whatever, your trust fund. Your lifestyle, then, yeah. Yeah, and then you have, you literally have no skills, <laughs> and then you're out in the world, and you have to deal with relationships and, and timing and everything, but it's it's basically a week in this guy's life. And, huh. uh, yeah. So, and and it's got Billy Crudup as the support, and Jenny Slate, or is that her name? Yeah, that's right. Yeah, she plays the support, and it's so, I mean, it's got a great cast, and it's a, it's a kind of a smaller movie, man. It's like, uh, huh. just like a slice of life. What is it called again? Uh, The Longest Week. I'll have to look that up. It's on, yeah, that does sound It's on the tail end of, like, when they were really still making romantic comedies. You know, right. you know what I mean? Like, there was, like, it just, like, it sputtered and died right before the super movies took over. Yeah. Right. But uh Oh, if you want to talk about another movie like a genre that isn't really made anymore, um I went and actually had a double feature yesterday in the theater, which is something I don't do anymore. Uh, oh. I went and saw Knives Out, which I don't need to sell you on that. Everybody knows. Everybody's talking how good a movie that is. I don't need to sell you mm. on that. It is a good movie though. Oh really? Um I think so. I mean it's a you know, it's a murder mystery and it didn't disappoint. It's, it's um, like the clue movie for this generation. Like instead of watching yeah, Clue, pretty much, you watch there's this movie. a there's a lot of twists and turns, I mean, to be expected, but it's like, I don't want to talk too much about it, because the less you know going into it, the better. Did the dude kill um, himself? Uh, yeah, again, I won't say. You kind of have to watch it. Wow. Um, see, so see, see how dangerous he is? He'll, he wants you to go watch the movie, whereas I'm ready to spoil it. That's how it works. <laughs> <laughs> but, the, but, but the movie that I was really impressed by, because it could have been so boring, was, um, have you heard about Dark Waters? With Mark Ruffalo. I want to see that movie desperately. That seems like a movie it's, that I would really enjoy. It's so fucking good, dude. Like, it is... It's like... You know, everybody compares it to Aaron Brockovich, and that's a, that's fair, but, like, it's just mm. the kind of movie that isn't really made anymore about, like, the little guy fighting the big guy. And, wow. um... It's just fucking... Mark Ruffalo puts on a good performance. It is, like... Um... It, it, you know, it... It focuses on people we don't see a lot anymore. Like, we don't see a lot of working-class people anymore, and this is definitely about working-class people getting fucked over and somebody sticking up for them. Wow. Um, it's, it's, it's really worth it. I mean, it's, it's probably, you know, I'm, I'm amazed it went to the theaters and not straight to Netflix um, because it's just such a small story, but it's so... It's just fucking good. Like, I can't talk enough about nice. it. Um, you know, uh, if you want to go see something that isn't have, like, a bunch of special effects but Mark Ruffalo... Go check it out. <laughs> <laughs>